0: And welcome into Gator Bites here on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Ryan the Hacker Green alongside Denny Thompson of the Sports Den on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Denny, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of tired. You're a hard-working honest. man. It, we're getting after it right now. We're, we are definitely getting after it over at 6 Points right now.
0: This is a Gator podcast, so obviously talk all things Gators, but before that, you were at the opening. In Orlando this past weekend, every Gator fan listening right now wants to know: uh, a, how did Carson Beck look? And there are rumors, Denny. There are rumblings out there. You know, some websites will say this and that, that potentially Florida may be in the lead now for Carson Beck. You know Carson as well as anybody. What's your thought on that?
1: I have thoughts. <laughs> You're putting me in a weird situation here <laughs> with this uh, uh, political, like to be to cover both sides, to cover the media and my my what I do outside of here and train quarterbacks well, and really more just the confidentiality I have with them. Um, I think it's safe to say that Florida is in the lead. Like I, I I think I know he's going to go down to spring practice. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to go down for spring practice. And, and I think, you know, most of the family's going and if you're Florida, that's a good sign. Right. Um,
0: How did he look at the opening in Orlando?
1: Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. He, he, uh, you know, it's funny. He, he's, He's got some things, not to get too technical, that he's still we're still working on that he's got to work on. But the raw talent there and how polished he is throwing the football is, um, I mean, he's like he's like he's been in college three years. The only problem he has is he's got to learn, and he saw this out there that just because these guys are the elite receivers, doesn't mean you can throw a hundred miles per hour at him. And so he had a lot of drop balls and. And if you're Florida, you like that. Like if you're Florida, you're going wait. These are the top receivers, and this dude's got an arm that they can't catch. But at the same time, he's got to learn the difference in in you know really getting after one and just carrying the ball to him and making it catchable.
0: You know something unique is happening here in Jacksonville when it comes to Florida. Florida State recruiting. I'm sure it's happened in the past. I can't think of it off the top of my head. You got a kid in Carson Beck. That may or may not have Florida as as one of his favorites. Certainly, Florida is absolutely in the mix.
1: Florida is the favorite. We can say that. So,
0: Florida is the favorite for Carson Beck. You got Jeff Sims from Sandalwood, who's committed to Florida State. Both, by all indications, look fantastic in Orlando at the Nike opening. Both are in the same district. So, we're going to see Carson Beck versus Jeff Sims their senior year in high school, Mandarin and Sandalwood, uh, respectively. And then, who knows what happens if that rivalry moves on to the college ranks, with one being in Gainesville and the other being it's a, in Tallahassee.
1: It's a fantastic story because it goes further than that. They played on the same team when they were eight to get eight years old together, coached by Chris Beck, Carson's oh, dad. Okay. They've been training together with me. like we When we do individual training, it's actually two players and one coach so that somebody's there to catch and all that kind of stuff. They've been training together for the last two years. Wow. Every Sunday at, you know, at 1 o'clock and, and – uh, and so it's just it's cool their relationship is they're like brothers, and so it, it's just all of that put together seeing them Sunday realize another dream and check and get another check mark is was was just amazing and they they genuinely are happier for the other one than they are for themselves, and it got it got a little bit awkward when it all first started blowing up because you would see one would get an offer. And then the other one would get the offer the next day. And so they're getting offered by the same guys. And then one will get an offer and the other one wouldn't, you know. And, and so it's like, wait, wait, why are they offering him but not me? But I think once they got used to that, they learned that, okay, if I'm Carson, Jeff's success means the world to me and vice versa. So while they are going to be rivals, man, they're they're first really good kids. And they're pulling for each other, and it's, it's just a cool thing for them to have somebody to go through this with.
0: We'll get to the Gators participating in the combine, also a little Gator hoops in just a moment. Real quick, we're 10 months from the first National Signing Day, and all indications are Florida was having a very good 2020 class. They still are, although a couple defections in the last mm-hmm. few days, including Josh Griffiths, who used to be here at Clay County, down at IMG, uh, uh, what I think is going to be ultimately a four-star defensive end prospect when all the rankings are said and done. He decommits. Florida loses a running back commitment as well. Lee, by all indications, showed out at the opening in Orlando. Should Gator fans be concerned that a couple of decommitments have happened in the last week for the 2020 class?
1: Only concerned from a momentum perspective, but not concerned with who the guys are. And what I mean by that is very few of these early commitments stick. Very few. Um, So it happens to everybody. I mean, it happens Alabama.
0: Yeah, yeah. Carson Beck, obviously. Yeah. yeah, and it's
1: happened with a couple other guys too. I just so I know as a Gator fan, I'm not I'm not concerned with that. The one thing you got to be careful of, though, and you, you you see it when you're working these circuits, is you want those advocates. And so, since we're talking about Carson, it's important for Florida or whoever. To get Carson committed and, like, legit committed to where he's recruiting for them. Jeff is there.
0: Like Jeff is doing for Florida State Jeff, right now. And that
1: is so important, not on Twitter. Like, that's what we all see. But during the two-hour downtime at at the opening, um, everything's discussed at this thing, right? I mean, you're, you're you're in this setting with the best of the best who are all friends now. Heck, we were having a – we had a 15-minute debate, me and – seven of the best quarterbacks in the country about whether you're supposed to wash your hair every day or not. <laughs> and so that's – I say that just to to let people know, like, that's the important part is you want guys who are not just committed but are bought in to making you better because they're your best recruiters moving forward. And there's only so many of these alpha dogs that you get in these classes that are willing to do that.
0: So we'll do a lot more recruiting, obviously, as the weeks and months go by. The hey, one thing, though. Yeah.
1: The Anthony Richardson kid?
0: Anthony Richardson, the Gator. He was a committed to Florida, out of Gainesville, quarterback, has since decommitted. Sure. The
1: real freaking deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen him before, and he's going to start coming up and working with us at six points now. But from a baseline
0: talent perspective,
1: like, this kid's got it. This kid's special.
0: Is Florida still in play for him?
1: Yeah. I want to do a study, though. I want somebody – I don't want to do it. I want somebody else to do it. Of, and you want to comment on it. Right. Yeah. Of the kids that early commit and decommit from that school, how many of them actually go back to that school? Right. Because
0: is your sense that it's very few? I think it's very few. It and is. I also agree with you. I think it's very few that commit their sophomore, junior year and stick with it the entire time. Uh, very few do that.
1: I can think of two off the top of my head, and that's it. Locally, Gatewood. Yeah, and Seatrick. Seatric I didn't think Fays about Seatrick, but
0: yeah. DeAndre Johnson. Okay, DeAndre Johnson. I thought of Gatewood and Seatrick. That's what yep. I said on primetime uh, earlier in the week. Those are the two I thought of sophomore year before that committed and didn't waver the entire process.
1: I think I think they probably wavered more than what you thought, but they were that commitment meant something to all those guys. right? You know what I mean? And that's the thing you got to you got to really fill out. Like, when Carson D. committed from Alabama, that was a. I he battled with that decision for a month. Like, legit, it, it dominated conversation. That, I want that guy committed to me. Like, he's not just out here just switching. You know what I mean? That's what you got – you got to get those guys that that will recruit for you.
0: In your line of work, what you do with six points in the training, I'm sure you love combine week. Maybe you don't. Maybe I – mean, we on Searcy on our show on primetime – And he did the combine. He thinks it's the biggest waste in the entire draft process. He says you can lose so much momentum, so much draft stock in shorts and a T-shirt that it's absolutely ridiculous. But I do think there is merit to it. I'm a combine geek. The NFL Network puts the combine on for guys like me because I will watch a large, large majority of it. And there are a lot of Gators. We talked about Jawan Taylor last week. Let's spend some time on a few other ones. Uh, we had a conversation yesterday about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and about Vosan Joseph mm-hmm. and how those are the two that potentially could stop, have their stock go way up with what they do in Indianapolis this weekend.
1: Yeah, Joseph especially. I think Joseph is going to test incredibly well. In recent history, though, Florida players have not run the way you thought they were going to run. And, and that. That's a little concerning, so if you're Chauncey Gardner Johnson and you're not confident that you're going to be in low four or five range, um, don't run. Mm-hmm. You don't run, wait till your pro day. you know get get a comfortable conditions uh, that, that you can relax and run in. Uh, Joseph, I think, he's got to do everything because he, he's going to walk in and, and people are going to be impressed with the way he looks. like if he can back that up. It's good. I, I, If I was advising Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I, I think I would probably advise him to wait for pro day for most things. I
0: remember Joe Hayden didn't run well, and then he went back to Gainesville during his pro day, ran a lot better, and was a first-round pick. Well, what about the combine? You know, uh, Gator players or whomever, the guys participating in Indianapolis, is there a lot of merit in your opinion? You train football players. Is there merit to the drills they're doing out there? What are you looking for if you're a coach?
1: There's merit. The NFL has done an amazing job of marketing this thing, like you just said, right? There's merit, but there's not merit from the aspect of that, like the forty time, for example. Uh, receivers and DBs, okay, all right, we can see that. You don't Did, want to
0: see Jawan Taylor running the forty. I don't want to
1: see an offensive lineman running the forty at all, but but like edge rushers, then look at the ten yard split. Yeah, you know, look, look it, it, like look inside of that linebackers really their position drills are more important. It's so funny because James and I were talking about this on Sports Den last night is there's some positions where those position drills are everything. There's other positions where they're nothing. They're absolutely nothing. And it's like little details that you want to watch and see. And James brought up the best one is and Sue Is when he saw and Sue with the combine, the violence that he hit this bag with. This isn't like a little meshy like we had in high school bag. This is like a punching bag. This is like a bag bag. And you saw that thing double over. Like like little things like that that, that make guys special. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaquem Griffin last year is the best, best example. He tore it up on the 40. But if you watched his linebacker drills, his hips were awful.
0: Right. right. Yeah, he ran like a 4-4. Yeah, it? he tore it up. Yeah. Invert
1: everything. But his hips were awful. And, and hence, you know, he's largely a special teams player. Like it, I think a lot of those things. Quarterbacks, I think you can get a really good picture um, because they're actually doing what they're going to do on Sundays. They're throwing the football, right? And they're throwing it in a clean pocket, which is in the NFL now what you're doing most of the time, since they can't hit you. Um, so I think there, there's some validity to it. Uh, L-drill is one that, that, that there's a lot – people pay a lot of attention to from a scouting perspective, um, and then short shuttle, you know, stuff like that. The 40-yard dash is what sells the tickets and what gets the ratings.
0: A couple more minutes here on Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network with denny thompson the hacker ryan green with you all the first round mock drafts all the projections normally not always but normally of two gators jawan taylor we talked about him last week what about jakai polite jakai polite's the other one that's projected uh, by a lot of websites to go in round number one jakai polite to me denny was a guy his freshman and sophomore year he became a man his junior year, and because of that, he decides to turn pro. I think it was the right decision, and I do think he'll be drafted in round number one.
1: Yeah, have you have you noticed he's kind of slipping in the
0: mocks? Little, so, but he started in the top, maybe even top fifteen. Yeah, now he's was. in the you know early to mid twenties.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think he's gonna need a good showing. There's another one that I'm not real sure what I would have him do, in Indy, uh, position drill sure, but. Like if if he if he feels like he can go one six ten split, um then run. If no, then just wait till your pro day. But if he if he can go you know one six one seven ten split, then I think you'll see him start to creep back up to that top fifteen. He's, I mean he's crazy talented. Is is he and Brian Burns very similar? Like I mean, and I think that's where you've got to start. And they're both Florida guys, but you know, Florida Florida State. That's where this combine can separate you. is the guys that they have and they're on their board that are, hey, they're kind of alike. Right. Now I can start to create some separation.
0: Isn't it interesting? All the talk about Jawante or Ja'Kai Polite, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the two five-stars that Jim McElwain brought in, Martez Ivey and CeCe Jefferson are also going to be involved in this draft process, are also going to be in Indianapolis for the scouting combine. Boy, uh you know, great high school players for whatever reason, maybe didn't work out in college. Can they redeem themselves, rebound and and have a solid pro career? What are your thoughts on Ivy and C uh, C Jefferson?
1: Ivy I think, yeah. I think Ivy's gonna have a good pro career. Uh C C's just he's small. I mean that that's the thing is he's six what he's gonna measure what, six one and a half? Maybe something like that. Um so he's got a lot that he's gotta overcome and that, that height is a big deal of the position that he plays. Um, Martez Ivy, I don't really understand why we're not hearing more about him. I mean, he is. I actually had a great conversation with his former high school coach on Sunday, Darlington, uh, Rick Darlington, who, from who was at Apopka, is yeah. now is at Enterprise in Alabama.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and you know, we were talking about him. He's he's a he's a great athlete, and Coach Darlington would would readily admit that coming out of high school, he had no idea how to pass block because they don't do that at Apopka, but he's learned. You know, he's learned, and I think if he can show that that he is fundamentally sound in that, I think he goes a lot higher than what a lot of people think because he is a freak of a human being.
0: It'll be fun. The NFL scouting combine up in Indianapolis on the field work. Begins Thursday, and then uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are really the three main days if you want to watch the on-the-field work. Uh, final moments here on Gator Bites. Obviously, Denny, a lot changes in college hoops very quickly. We sat here one week ago. Florida was on the outside looking in of Joe Linardi's ESPN.com bracketology. This morning, Joe Linardi, uh did another bracketology. He has Florida as a nine. Not only are they not on the bubble – they're not a 12, they're not an 11, they're not a 10. He has them as a 9 seed. Now, the problem is he has not played Baylor in round one, and if they survive that, they would play Duke in the round of 32, and then their season's over. But the bottom line is Mike White's done a great job. That was a huge win over LSU. They survived Missouri. They've won four in a row. And now Florida, not so much on the bubble anymore, Denny. If they find a way to win two or three of their next four, they could potentially be looking at maybe a seven or even a six seed in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, it depends on who those. Well, I guess not. You're right. If they win two, you can't you can't lose three and have you know because one of those losses is going to be to a
0: team your your favorite. Right. I'm you right. figure if they beat Vanderbilt, which they should. Right. If they beat Georgia, which they should. Again, those games haven't been played at the time of this podcast, right. so that could change very quickly. And then if you steal one, either at home against LSU, who you just beat. And I doubt you go to Rupp and win, but maybe against Kentucky. I,
1: I don't know. That's the one I said last week. That's the one that I circled because I think that's the one, I, A, I think they can. And B, I think if they do, then all of a sudden you're looking at it going, ah, we may end up with a six seed. If, if, you, if you go two and two.
0: You go two and two. You're you're in, probably, are you in? Oh, you're probably in the eight, nine range. That's where you don't want to be. Right. And I'm thinking too far ahead here. And I told Matt Hayes this earlier. i much rather be an 11 than a nine. I mean, if they're, I almost because
1: of your second round game, right?
0: Because if you you're an eleven, then you play a six, which is a little tougher round one game, but then you would get a three in round two and not have a Duke or a Virginia or a you know someone along those lines. So if
1: you, but if you if you go two and two and you win
0: one conference tourney game,
1: you may still end up in a single digit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think at this point, Florida would have to lose three of their last four
1: and, and get round. knocked
0: out in round one. You'd have to lose four of your last five to even be considered on the bubble.
1: What do we got to do to get them here in Jacksonville?
0: Well, Lenardi had them here last week, which if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm, I'm outraged by that because Florida was a 10 and they were here. Lenardi had Florida State as a 5 going to San Jose, California. So that, that to me, that would – I mean, look, this is a Gator podcast and I, we love it. How could Florida be here as a 10 and Florida State be a 5 and be sent out to San Jose?
1: Yeah, it'd be great for you both of them here.
0: It would be great. Yeah, Orlando had that a couple of years ago, and it was yeah, they a did, big, big deal at the Amway Center.
1: Florida State stunk it up, though. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but but the thing is, yeah, because
1: I, I was actually there. Yeah, I, I actually I think actually that was the went. game they
0: lost to Xavier.
1: Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember I didn't know it was possible to be sitting above the scoreboard, but I was. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. like little ants running around over there in the Amway. But
0: regardless of the seating, at least we're talking about seating now, Mike White done a great job jalen hudson's finally beginning to somewhat resemble the player we saw last year and it's been fun watching the gators for the last two or three weeks i'm still not
1: there though like i'm still in that spot where in my mind i could i could completely see them going one and three in this
0: well they almost lost to missouri that's what i'm saying like
1: i could i can see that easier than i can see them going two and two almost
0: i just i get a sense this team is tough And I know that's a a word we use a lot in sports broadcasting. And when I say tough, I mean, this team's been through a lot. This team has been taken to the woodshed. This team has lost heartbreakers. A lot has happened to this team. Injuries with Keith Stone. A lot's happened to this team over the first two and a half, three months. To now, they're figuring out ways to win these games at the end. They're figuring out ways not to lose close games at the end, which is something they were not doing early in the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can agree with that. I the coach in me immediately goes: Tough teams don't lose heartbreakers. Like tough teams don't have to. You know what I mean? But but no, you're right. You're right. I, and I probably I don't watch as much Gator basketball as you do and a bunch of guys do. Probably if I if I really watched the last last couple of weeks, have been crazy for me. If I really watched more the last couple of weeks and didn't have the lasting image of the first half of the year, yeah, then maybe I would I would be around that. But I you know I, we're probably gonna go Saturday night to the to the Georgia game. Um, My son turns eight on Sunday, and so Ah, I think I'm going to take him Saturday night. Um, But he's so competitive that I don't want to go to a game they lose. Right. Because it ruins his whole weekend.
0: Well, by the way, how about this? You know, before the Georgia game, they play Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is trying to become the first team. Here's a trivia question for you. You can use on Big Game James on the sports den. Vanderbilt's trying to become the first team to not go winless in SEC conference play in men's basketball since who? And it happened in the 1950s.
1: Oh, gosh. I had no idea.
0: Georgia Tech. Wow. Georgia Tech was the last SEC team. This is when the Ramblin' Wreck was in the Southeastern Conference. They were the last men's basketball team to go an entire conference slate. That's winless. crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Florida's like... got to go to Nashville on a, on a Wednesday night. And Florida doesn't play up there. They play well up there very well. So then we'll ACC, see what happens. ACC
1: just had one of those, right? Boston College. Went winless in football and basketball in the same year.
0: Is that right? In conference play yeah. a couple
1: years back, yeah. Yeah,
0: So, it's, it's an interesting streak. Vandy, uh, I don't know what's wrong with Bryce Drew and the Commodores. 0-14, but I got a feeling that game against Vandy for the Gators yeah. is going to be a tough one. Yeah, it always is. We'll see what happens. Sports Den every night, uh, Monday through Friday, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. What can people look forward to?
1: Draft talk and whatever else we come up with. I mean, at this point, that's all we're talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of it. Draft talk, it. recruiting. You know, and randomness, and Bob Kraft,
0: and and Bob Kraft. Yeah, that that's certainly <laughs> that's certainly an interesting story. Denny will do it again next week, my friend. Yes, sir. That is Denny Thompson of the Sports Den. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Thank you for checking out Gator Bites right here on the Ten Ten xlcom podcast network.